Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? Hey, before we get going, let's give a quick shout out to our partners here at Auburn Live and the Auburn Live show. First of all, Southeastern, great bar in downtown Auburn, fantastic two story building. Beautiful place, uh, great lounge upstairs, tons of TVs, outdoor seating area, some finger foods and stuff like that as well. Awesome location in downtown Auburn. Go visit Southeastern. Great game day experience, uh, weekend experience. Um, just go check them out, Southeastern, on Magnolia. Other partner, the Irritable Bow Restaurant, also on Magnolia, on the other side uh, of the street in downtown downtown Auburn, down, down Magnolia. Go check them out. Really good Chinese bao uh, food, uh, sh- shrimp, shrimp rolls and, and steak, steak and, and, and chicken uh, skewers and um, rice bowls and just a bunch of bunch of good stuff. man. if you've never had Chinese bao, it's really, really good. Shout out to our friend Whitley Dykes. Um, they get you in and out really quickly. So if you ever see a line, don't worry. It moves quickly. Go check out the Irritable Bao restaurant downtown Auburn and uh, tell them Auburn Live sent you. All right, let's go. All right, we're back with another Auburn Live show. You know what time it is. It's the Monday Morning Quarterback Edition with our friend, former Auburn quarterback, Ben Lear. Ben, I know it was a uh, it was a rough one for you. I know how much this one means to you. How you how you yeah, feeling, man? Uh, how you feeling a day or two later? Well, I, I mean, obviously, you hope you're you're disappointed in in the loss and you're 
disappointed losing, you know, 24 to 10, or excuse me, 34 to 10. So it, uh, you know, you're, you're upset about it. You don't, you don't like it any more than the next person, but ultimately Georgia is a really, really good football team, especially defensively. You, you've got to give them respect. The fact that they played the way they were supposed to, they did exactly what Auburn and all of the fans would have expected them to do. But Auburn, on the flip side, didn't just fail to make the plays when they needed to make the plays. And that was, that was, in my opinion, the contributing factor to what put George in such a, a, an insurmountable lead and, and Auburn and I playing catch up from the word go. But, you know, it, it sucks bad. I mean, no, no one likes to lose to, to Georgia, most importantly, or to get beaten that badly against Georgia and, and be dominated by Georgia for – this has been two decades, basically of dominance by, you know, by the kids from Athens. So you're disappointed in the sense that it's, it's turned out to be that way and it's, it doesn't, doesn't appear that it's going to change at any point in time any, in, the, in the very near future, unfortunately. But you just got to go back to the drawing board, man. I mean, they've got to, they've got to make the plays when they're there to be made and, and, you know, convert when it's needed to be converted, you know, cover when you're supposed to cover. Just the little things, man. I mean, there were a lot of good things taken out of that game. But at the same time, there were a lot of things that that happened that ultimately, in my opinion, contributed to Georgia's success. Yeah, Georgia's really good. Um, Let's go through some of the numbers uh, just real quick. Um, You know, first downs, 22 to 17 for Georgia. Um, Total yards, 432 for Georgia, 318 for Auburn plays. Ended up almost even. Um, passing yards, 231 to 272. Auburn ended up with 272, but Finley had, you know, 50, you know, garbage time. Bo Nix only threw for 217. Rushing yards, Georgia 201, <clears throat> Auburn 46. Um, you know, we knew that was going to be an issue. Uh, Bo Nix, I think, was sacked three times. Um, he hadn't been sacked against Penn State and LSU. Again, Georgia's a different animal. Um, Time of possession, Georgia really took over. Auburn had 16 minutes plus in the first half, only 10 minutes or so in the second half. Um, Georgia ended up with 33 minutes of time of possession in that game. Um, You know, I mean, I think Auburn, you know, we talked about Auburn needing to probably put the game in Stetson Bennett's hands. And that's not a slight on him. It's just that when you've got a stable of backs like Georgia has, in a line like that, you you know, you, you can't let that happen. Um, so, you know, Auburn did a good job against the run in the first half. Georgia not, didn't have but 35, 40 yards rushing. Um, but, but those play action passes, those big plays just really opened things up. They hurt Auburn bad. And then Georgia came out in the very first drive. I was up in the press box with my colleague, Cole Pinkston, and, and, I, and I, I mean, three or four runs in. I said, oh, I mean, I, it's clear as day what they're about to, about to, about to try to do. You know, they're up 17-3. Uh, I was like, that, that right now they're about to start leaning on Auburn. And so by the end of the third, fourth quarter, you know, they're just going to control this game. And, <clears throat> and, uh, and they did. They ran for, you know, buck 65 in the second half. And Auburn's defense, I thought, 
for the most part, performed admirably. Certainly the front seven did. I thought they did probably the best they could. Um, There was a stretch there late late third quarter into the fourth quarter where they were on the field a lot. Um, You know, I I agree with you. When you play a team that good, you you can't make – you you can't make very many mistakes at all. Um, You certainly can't – you certainly can't have seven drops – and of those drops, you one was a touchdown. Uh, one was a fourth down conversion. The very next play, Georgia threw a sixty-yard bomb. Um, you know, another one was was a uh, turned out to be an interception that led to three points. I mean, literally three drops. They weren't just drops. I mean, they almost directly led to points. Yeah. Um, in the other direction, and then the busted coverages. It's like a broken record. Um, that that and Nehemiah I, and Pritchett and give him a I guess we'll give a little credit to McConkey. That kid's. Very fast. He's a great route he's, runner. But, he's really good. Man. But Pritchett I mean, I, got I, smoked a couple times, and it just can't continue to give up these these big plays. You know you're going to be on an island on some of those. Um, well, and it but at the same time, I hope, look at it like this too, though. It, and it, it, it baffles me just a little bit in the sense that this is not new to this secondary six games into the season. So – with that being said, why why is Auburn running zero coverage and leaving Pritchett on an island against the McConkey kid? Yeah. Or, you know, so you're sitting there thinking, I mean, why are we putting that level of pressure on a young man that is already kind of playing from behind? And that's that's a that's a big question mark. So why do you do that? And I and I'll go so far as to say, like I, you know, if you think of it, and I don't know, I don't know what plays that the statisticians or and you probably can answer this are, you know, the, the when we say seven drops, I counted seven just 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 in this case, I literally was counting. So that's my right, count. So so let's so all right. Do you consider other than the Shivers tip ball that that Nicobe intercepted, which was a phenomenal play on his part? Uh-huh. Are we considering the 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 balls that hit Shivers kind of in the thigh and bounced off? I mean, are those are are we considering those drops? I, I was well. Really. Are we going? I, I are we going Jedrick Jackson? Are we going Demetrius Robertson, who probably had three by himself? He did. He had three from my. Um, you know, you're looking at those those along, and then obviously the Shiver. So that's that in itself. In, in, in our in my mind, that's Shanker's and Shanker the the first one uh, down. You know, their very first drive. Um, that's right. And, you know, and that, dude, that's one where people go, oh, you know, it, well, he could have put it here and there. I'm like, come on, now look, you you can't start getting into a thing where you say Bo should have put it no right here, like. He put it in a spot that Shanker could have made the catch and the DB could not have made a play. Correct. Tough as it was. Correct. It, all right, so if you're going to split hairs, sure, Bo, Bo could have thrown the ball in a more perfect place. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Sure. But the kid's an SEC tight end. Make the catch. Yeah. That's it. And, and I and, promise you, Shanker, if he was on this, I promise you he'd go, I, I have to make that catch. That's on me. Yeah. I promise no you he would say that. No doubt. And and so that, so, I mean, and this is not just harping on negativity by any means. And I'm sure that 
that Brian Harson and Bobo and, and even Derek Mason and anybody that is worth their salt watching a game like this against a such a high caliber opponent as Georgia, you've got to make the plays. Mm-hmm. Period. You've got to make the catches. You you've got to make the level of catches that Demetrius Robertson made on the fade ball that got them down inside the red zone late in the game when ultimately Tank made that great run to get it put it at 24-10. So those are the types of catches you make. It it should be a guarantee catch on a stick at post on third and nine that the ball doesn't hit Shedrick Jackson in the face and you ultimately have to punt. It should be a fourth and nine and it hits Demetrius Robertson in the gut and he drops it, and all you're doing is setting your defense up to fail because the next play they go play action pass 60 to McConkie. Yeah. Those, those types of plays are 100% just, I'm talking killers. Yeah. Killers. You've got to play it. You've got to play an almost a, a, just a, a perfect game in an effort in a situation like that to be in, in, competitiveness in a competitive scenario with a team like that it's not going to do it when you're you know when you're dropping balls missing balls you know things of that nature you know that and I, I think that's I don't know man I mean we're, I, I, I hate I don't want to be harping on the negative they, they, there were some good things that came out of that they they had some great drives You know, I mean, early on in the game, they had Georgia on their heels defensively. They were doing some really, really good things, being creative with time, being creative with their ability to throw the football, and Bo was getting out of the pocket doing some things. So it was was good to see. But there is some positives to what came out of it. But unfortunately, Georgia just – Georgia was just a better team. And that's – that's just it. I mean, you – they were they are at this point right now a better football team than Auburn is. So you just gotta go back to the drawing board and hope you get back in the mix by beating Arkansas on Saturday. Yeah, I think I mean I think that's an important perspective when we're talking about this game. And that is Georgia's better. Georgia's the best team in the country. Um and 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 they're they're really solid across the board. They're great on defense. Uh they have a they have a you know, fantastic offensive line, fantastic stable of running backs, really good quarterback, and and receivers that, that do the job. Um, and and so look, it's important. I, hey, I'll I'll say this too, and and there will be people that listen listen to this that probably think I am smoking crack, <laughs> but the outcome of last night's game in College Station, Texas, gave me a much needed shot in the arm of confidence that there could be, and I mean, it's slim, that there could be a chance in the sense that I, I think Auburn beats Arkansas Saturday. I really do. I, I, think, I think Arkansas at this point is somewhat exposed. Everybody realizes what, what they are. They are a juggernaut offensively, but they can't stop anybody. So it's going to be a scoring fest. They're beat up. I – I think Auburn's toughest matchups, obviously for the remainder of the season, are Texas A&M because there's it's at A&M, and then obviously Alabama. But there are these are games 
I feel Georgia, in my opinion, the way they were playing is 100% that was 100% the potentially the toughest mountain for Auburn to climb. I, I think, and I wouldn't rank them, but there are games, there are several winnable games for Auburn for the remainder of the season. They're not going to be easy by any means, but they can be won. And everybody has an Achilles heel. Yeah. Um, I won't get into the – I mean, we'll talk about the Arkansas game more. Um, I'll talk about it more, in the, and, and we'll see if my mind changes. As of right now, I don't think they win the game. Um, but I just I, – I just – I think it's a tough – I think it's a tough task. It's going to be a super physical game, super physical yeah. game. Um, I'm just I'm just not sure uh, as at, the, at this moment. I think the Georgia game – but back, back to the Georgia game, I think the – the thing to keep in perspective is Georgia's a better team. Like, don't don't hear me or you. I think, and if you're an Auburn fan, don't don't say, don't create expectations that if they would have done these things, they would have beaten Georgia. Like, maybe maybe they'd have been in the game. I think the important stuff is you want to see growth with this team. You want to see things get better. You want to see them do things that set them up and say, okay, they didn't lose. They lost to Georgia, but if they play like that against Arkansas, they'll win. If they play like that against Ole Miss, they'll win. I can't say that. If they play like that against Arkansas, they'll lose. If they play like that against Ole Miss, they'll lose. So I, I want to see them especially, – Especially defensively. Yeah. Especially. So I, I want to see them do – and I think the frustration, I think, six games in is um, it's a broken record. Busted coverages, drops. We've been talking about those uh, all season. It continues to be an issue. Um, and uh, I actually think Bo Nix, the last two games, has played good enough to win win those games. Um, I, I, I know, gosh, he's the most scrutinized, easy target. It's just so – at this point, you know, it, it, you really – the, the, the Bo Nix criticism, look, sometimes it's very warranted. That's fine. But let's, let's try a little harder now, and I think Bo, Bo Nix, the last two games, has played good enough to win. Yeah. Um, well, and, he's played and, hey, decent football. He has. He he threw some passes against Georgia that were some of the best balls I've ever seen him throw. I'm, I'm talking yeah. about he threw a couple of slants. He threw an RPO to Kobe Hudson. He threw maybe on the first drive where he he looked left, came back, and just threw a dart. Kobe Hudson made a good catch kind of behind him, but still really good throw. He, he threw some out routes to Hudson. He threw a couple of great fades to, to, to Robertson down the sideline that one he dropped, one he caught. The pass to Shanker down the seam where the def- the defender had his back turned. Yes. And he trusted Shanker and threw it right. That's an NFL-type throw. Um, I mean, he threw some really good passes in, in that yep. football game. He If they don't drop balls, he ends that game 28 of 39 for like 250 in a touchdown. I mean, he was not the issue yep. in that game. There was only one time – I'm sure there were others. There was one time I tweeted about it where – he 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 got a little happy happy feet. There was a stop and go they ran. CBS pointed it out. Uh, I think it was Shedrick Jackson on the top of the screen where Bo even pump faked it. He pump faked it and then immediately left the route. And 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 Shedrick Jackson stopped and go blew and blew by the corner. But for some reason, Bo, well, we know why. He pump faked it, and then he in his head. The clock was like, I don't know time. 
Or if yeah. I stay on this and it's not there, then I'm screwed. And so he just left the route and yeah. Jackson's wide open. And that's the kind of play that you got to show Bo and go, hey, if you just stuck with that, it's a touchdown. If you throw yeah. ball, it's a touchdown. But but literally, that's one of the only ones I saw that was really egregious um, on 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 Bo. He played really well, I thought. He I did. Really and, it's, it, and it's – it's ultimately the nature of the position. You're the yeah, hero sure. or the goat, yeah. right? And it's it's a, an entirely different side of the spectrum from LSU to Saturday, you know, against Georgia. So it, it is what it is. And and Bo is Bo's obviously proven that, you know, hey, I get it, I understand it, like it or not, I'm going to be me. I'm going to make the plays, or there may be some plays left out there on the field that that I could have made better or whatnot. But ultimately, it's he is going to be as good as the guys around him. They have got to make the level of plays that they are capable of making. You know, you, you've got to as back. He expects the receivers to catch the ball, and he has to. If he didn't expect a particular receiver to catch the ball, he would never throw it to him. Yeah. Never. Yeah. It is pre, it's predetermined. I know I don't care if you're the number one target on this play. I'm not coming to you because I don't think you'll catch it. There's zero confidence. But he's obviously got mental confidence in the guys to make the plays. It's just consistently they're 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 not making them as consistently as you would expect an SEC football player to make, period. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, you're exactly right. You, you cannot look at, yesterday, at yesterday's game or, or Saturday's game and say, if this, if this, if this, Auburn wins the game. You can say, if this, if this, if this, there would have been a slim shot, right? There Which is all been. we talked about. All I talked yeah. about was get it, play two games, get it and yep. get it late, and then play the late game. And the things we're talking about gets you to playing the last fifteen to twenty minutes in a in a position Correct. where you're where you're in the game. I mean, that's right. And that's Shaker all you can catches ask the ball. That's a touchdown. If 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 Robertson catches the ball, uh, that's immediately a touchdown for Georgia. Um, then you got the three points. Shivers drops it to pick. That turns into three. That's that's seven points taken off the board for Auburn, and that's ten points directly after for Georgia. I mean, you know, then you throw in Capers, the the DPI, which absolutely was pass interference, and that's not Auburn's fault. Um, I mean, there's just a couple of plays for that game being that game being, you know, what like twenty one to. 17 or something like that. Sure. It really could have been 24 to 17 or yeah. it could have been that kind of game heading into fourth. It had been, it had been much more resemblant of the Penn State game. You know, you think about it from the standpoint of coming down to the wire, Georgia would have had to, you think about it, Georgia would have had to maybe get two or three first downs consecutive on the time off the clocker or Auburn potentially having the ball and in the last possession to try and make a field goal or, or drive the score touchdown to win or tie it would have been much – the result may have been the same, but it would have been a, a much more tightly contested ball game if those plays had been, had been made by Auburn either offensively or defensively, period. Yeah. But you're right, man. And, and I'll, I'll say this. Harson paid Georgia as a, as a football team and as a, as a coach – 
he paid Georgia what I think is probably the best compliment you can pay a football team when he said, that's, that's who we want to mirror image of. Yeah. We want to be like that football team. That's who we want to play football like. I, I don't know of a better way to compliment a, a football coach, football team, and the university. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I thought his, I thought his post-game comments were – I thought Brian Harson's post-game comments were interesting. Um, you know, he talked about – you know, he was asked about the receivers – Thought he kind of had an interest. Well, it's not. I could have predicted the answer. Um, you know, they asked if the rotation would change at wide out, um, and he said, "Look, guys, we the rotation's created for how you perform in practice. Meaning, the guys that are out there do better in practice. So that and then they and then they go out there and you and they drop the ball. So what do you want me to do? You know, it's like um, he. I guess he's there's a little bit of a tough spot of those other guys not quite doing the little thing. So. I'm supposed to just hope they line up correctly in the game and catch the ball versus the guys that do line up um, and then drop. So they're just the whole position, I think, is a is an issue. Um, but yeah, complimented Georgia. So that's the team that that we want to be. Um, but he but he made no bones about it, uh, and I'm I'm glad you brought that up because there's Harson and Bo Nix, both of their post game comments I wanted to talk about because one Brian Harson made no bones about it. I mean he he was. He was asked, hey, some of those mistakes, especially early, some of those things, did you feel like that kind of affected your ability? He was like 100%. I mean, he was not hiding the fact that if if, he, if, if his team would have made the plays he thinks they should have been making, they would have been in that ball game and had a chance to win. Uh, he does not think – you know, he's not sitting there going, man, George is so good, you know. We're, right. no, he, he's going, George is so good, but if we'd done what we, what we, we could have done, we'd have had a chance to win the game, and I'm mad right. that we didn't, and I'm disappointed that we lost. Um, so I thought his answers were good on that. And, and, and I felt that from Bo Nix too. Bo Nix generally, and he was after the game, he's pretty politically correct. Um, except for when he's basically telling the refs, you screwed up, which he did. He's like flat out. He was like, they missed the call and they, they're grabbing him. Like, what do you, um, what do you, what, what are we supposed to do? Um, but, uh, but you could sense the frustration in, in Bo Nix and in, 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 in making plays. He didn't call anybody out, but, he absolutely said we have to start making plays, um, and you you could sense it. You could sense it. I mean, he almost he actually one of his answers he he said um, he said you know Georgia's a great team da 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 almost like saying look fine Georgia's great listen to me say Georgia's great but then he was like we 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 could have been in that game. I mean he was very yeah. frustrated and you could see it on the field a few times where he was really he's mad. I mean he's busting his ass the last two games. I mean he was they took him out of that game late. Partly the score, but he was fatigued. That, the possession before that, he walked off the field. He was beat. I mean, they sacked yeah. him three times. They hit him probably six, seven times. He was running. He was scrambling on top of that. Um, I mean, he, he really he – was a, it was a pretty gutsy effort from him, but you can sense the frustration in him a little bit. And Brian Harson. okay, we're six games in. It's time for people to make plays. Stop dropping passes. I mean, stop lining up incorrectly. I don't know if you saw this, but you remember the play 
to Shanker. It was the play before Robertson's drop on fourth down. Shanker in the flat, overthrew Shanker. That play, did yep. I didn't even see it, what happened live. Did you see what happened live? Demetrius Robertson stood on the line of scrimmage and didn't move. He, ne- he never moved. Never moved. And that's communication. He, he's not even paying attention. They're, I don't know who he's looking at. Um, then he paid, then the, so it's like, I don't even know whose fault it is. The point is that's, I guess we'll go back to coaching. Like that's somebody's fault. That just is ridiculous that that's happening six games into the season. That's the stuff that Harson and Knicks are like, and especially Harson is going the little things like, come on guys. Like he, he is so frustrated about those things not being done right. Well, and go, all right. So let's, let's go into kind of subliminal messaging, right? And you think about – so, first off, I love the fact that, that Brian Harson and even, and even Bo Nix, they expect to win every game they play in, period. They don't, they don't care who they're playing. There is a level of expectation to win. There's yeah. gonna, they're they're going to face better football teams, but they are not going to just – they're not just going to, you know, roll over and play dead. You play – here's the dead in the screen – comment you play to win the game period that's it or her who was that her, was that herm edwards you play to, you play win, the game. to win the game period <laughs> but when you all right so when you think about this and he made his comments post game were the amount of playing time that you get as a receiver or even a player on our football team is indicative of the way you practice that particular week what that tells me and i know you agree with it that tells me that the kids that aren't playing, because if if the ones that are that are at the receiver position now are having as many busted busted uh, uh, formations, mental mistakes and drops, that tells me that the ones that aren't playing have their ass on their shoulders. They they if you can't see that, grow up, kids. Fit, have some maturity about yourself and realize, man, if I just busted at practice, I'm going to get an opportunity to shine. But apparently they can't see the forest for the trees, that the opportunity is there. Nobody's going to give it to them. Those days are gone. They're going to – Brian Harson and his staff and even Mike Bobo and Bo Nix or TJ Finley, they – are going to play and going to trust the guys that they can trust at practice, period. Yeah, They're not going to waste their time on guys they can't. So uh, for these young men that have more talent in their pinky toe than some of these other players that are out there, you know, getting playing time on a Saturday, they need to wake up and, and realize that there is an opportunity to be had, but they've got to take it. And it makes you wonder what – you know, that, that's kind of the other question is, all right, so those are the reliable guys in practice. Okay, does that mean that they're catching everything in practice or does that mean that they are still potentially dropping some passes in practice but they're still more reliable than the other guys? Either one of those are bad choices. Um, if, you're, if you're Harson and Bubba, though, Harson said something after the game and he said it about red zone. Auburn continues to struggle in the red zone. They were in there three times against Georgia. Scored one touchdown, kicked one field goal, went forward on fourth down and didn't get it. 
They've been in the red zone, red zone 17 times this year. They've got nine touchdowns and six field goals. And so nine for 17, that's – and he was very – I mean, he was ticked about that after the game. He's like, we have to score touchdowns. And he's like, we have to. He's like, that, 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 this has got to stop. He's like, yep. it's getting old. Um, I mean, he, he, was, he was very – but what he said about it was, he goes, something has to change. We have to do something different. And so my question would be, well, why, why can't you apply that to wideouts? Why is it – well, those are the guys that practice well, so they're going to play. You know, why, why isn't your attitude something has to change? We have to do something different. And if that means, all right, Malcolm Johnson might do everything right, but, like, I'm going to put him out there in, in, in some situations and run a route that he knows. And, you know, it's just frustrating to see these drops. I think they're, they're at, according to Pro Football Focus, they're at 23 drops this year. They had 19 last year, and I think in 10 games, it's 22 the year before. Yeah, so they're at 23, and that's – look, Shanker's even got three himself, but most of that's wide outs. Kobe Hudson's been good. I think he's got two drops, and he's been targeted 32 times. He's been by far the most reliable, um, not just in well, what you've seen in dropping passes, but D-Rob's got a bunch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's just a lot mixed in. I mean, Kobe Hudson is – in my opinion, he is – He's developing into a really good, a very reliable receiver. He's making the catches. I mean, obviously he had what I would consider kind of some struggles early on, but here as of late, I, I've been I've been very happy with the way that he has played and performed, making the catches that he's made. But there has to be more than just there has to be more than him. Yeah. You know, Demetrius Robertson, he, he's got to make those catches. I mean, it is literally one of those things. And I, it, it, listen, catch the ball. And they catch from Burnix every day. Like, so I don't want to hear the uh, people are like, oh, well, that was a fastball to Sean Shivers. Look, okay. Who cares? I, like, yeah, I'm like, you catch from him in practice every day. Like, you catch out of the jugs machines. I get the comment of sometimes on the swing pass, you could, I get that there are times maybe when the guy's close enough to you that you could throw a bullet and you're like, hey, that maybe that, but, 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 but you catch from him every day. You catch from the jugs machine. I, I didn't see anything. Bo Nix throws the ball hard. He does it every day for two and a half years. I didn't see anything out there that I thought, could, could you say he threw hard? I could be like, yeah, he, he threw a bullet. But it's your job to catch the ball. So I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not siding on the people that were like, well, that was a little hard. Like, no. you're playing Georgia. You're playing the best defense, one of the best defenses in college football in the last 20 or 25 years, and you're going to go, well, a little hard, a little hard on that pass. Or well, what do you, what do you where you need to, to put the pass. Like, come on. You know, what, do you, what do you want him to do, let him float it out there and then put you in, in concussion protocol? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the kids, the, they'll kill him. So, I, 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 and I'm even, you know, in, in my opinion, you know, I, I'm probably more likely to give a, give a running back a, a little bit of a pass on a drop. Sure. Than I am a receiver, right? But the those that were had the drops that were had on the swings, they're all they have proven time and time again that those are catchable balls. Why? Why against Georgia are they drops? It's not. It's not the quarterback. In 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 my opinion, it wasn't yesterday. And again, everybody, everyone has bad days. And, and, but they are just magnified. They're magnified against a, a team yeah, of that caliber. Yeah, magnified, absolutely. And if your Shivers look on some of those, and you know, I mean, um, the some of those were were was 
Bo Nix threw it out there fast for a reason because he said, I need to get you the ball quickly because if I don't get you the ball quickly, yeah. But he's like, if I don't get you the ball quickly, you won't have time to get the ball, turn your head, and make a move. I'm trying to get it to you fast because I see the linebacker or I see what's going on. I'm trying to get it to you quick so you can turn your head and have time to make a play. If you want me to, if you want me to kind of soft it out there, that's cool. You're going to get lit up. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, so I, yeah, I, I think the, uh, you know, and then look, Auburn's, Auburn's an inability to run. No, no surprise there. I don't even know that if there's really any time worth spent, uh, you know, spent criticizing or, or talking about their inability to run. Georgia's front's really good. Auburn didn't run the ball that great against LSU. Uh, they had moments against Georgia, some perimeter stuff. Um, I think the score getting to two scores so quickly hurt Auburn's ability probably a little bit to stick with the run. They, did, they ran 29 times. They, they wanted to obviously probably hit the 40 mark. Um, but, you know, we knew that was going to be yeah, tough. We there, knew that there's, there's part, you know, that look, that game, and you can't do it, but, you know, when you look at it, it the way that it trended and the way that it went so quickly, it I think it totally got Auburn out of their out of their thought process or their plan very quickly, and sustained drives. You know, milk the clock. Understand that big plays are pretty much not going to happen. You know, you got you got to earn every single yard, and they, it, it wasn't going to come on the ground. Period. I do think that if you're going to, you know, the way that Auburn performs, let's say, Saturday against Arkansas, then then obviously you've got, you know, Ole Miss then you, or, or Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and then who met, South Carolina. Those are going to be the games that you really, in my opinion, you're going to judge the rushing attack. That's – those are – those defensive fronts are more human. Yeah. I mean – Ole Miss, had, uh, Ole Miss had 324 yards rushing on, on Arkansas. Now, Arkansas rushed for 300-something yards, um, but we know Arkansas can run. But Ole Miss yep. had 300-plus yards rushing. Auburn should be able to get a ground game going uh, against Arkansas, and I think it's going to be a similar similar game. It, I mean, I still think both it's, it's going to be Jefferson, you, but it's going to be a war. You said it best, and it, and it always is, Hope. The Arkansas game – Every single year, regardless of how good Arkansas is, that is one of the most physical games that Auburn plays every single year. They, Arkansas is a physical football team. They, I mean, they've got a, they, their head coach is an O line guy. You know, he's going to be physical. So they, they better, they better buckle up. And last and, year, Arkansas you know, outplayed Auburn, I thought. I mean, Auburn oh. was very fortunate to win that game, raining a little bit, kicked that field goal. Uh, Arkansas looks like the better team last year in those yeah. circumstances. No doubt, no doubt. It'll it'll be interesting. I think this one, man. You you hate to do it, but you you know ball it up, throw it away. It's done. It's over. Move on, and you know put it behind you. There there's not a lot of not a ton of great stuff to take out of it, but I think a lot of the bad that happened are were self inflicted, and you've also got to give kudos to the fact that they're a really I mean they're a damn good football team, and just move on. Yeah. Um, the other interesting things I want to hit on before we go is, is a couple of the things Harvison said um, after the game. Um, one, I thought you had some pretty good insight to him as a coach. I wish people, um, more people could have seen the – well, you can probably go to YouTube and watch it on Auburn uh, Tigers. 
But, uh, he, you know, he talked about being encouraged. He goes, I'm encouraged to get back out. And they were kind of like, what do you mean encouraged? And he kind of went into this long answer of talking about, hey, I, he was like, I love football. He's like, I love football. He's like, so for me, uh, every chance I get to go back out there and coach and develop and, and be with my team, he's like, I, that's encouraging to me. And he talked about just neat – and he really just talked about how them as a staff and him as a head coach, he just needs – he needs time with his team, with his program. He's like, it's just, it's just going to take time for some of the things they're trying to instill and get done. Um, he's like, it's just going to take time for this stuff to, to, take, to take root. Um, and so it's kind of cool listening to talk about him just being a, a pure football guy and be encouraged and just, he's like, I can't wait to go back out on Sunday and, and, and get our team better and just spend time with them and build the culture. Um, he's got a very, I think a very practical, um, view on a game on like what you learn and don't learn on, on, on what to take from it, on how long it's going to take to get things done. I just, I generally like his uh, his approach. I think I think he uh, I sometimes listen to the the questions that are asked, his answers, and I, and I think about the way fans look at games. And, I, and Brian Harson's like, none of that computes with him. I mean, none. Of, he is on a different world in terms of what he thinks is important and not important, and how he values and all that stuff. And I just thought it was uh, I thought it was really interesting. And then the other thing that was interesting was he was asked if Auburn if this is a rebuilding season. Um, because he talked about, hey, we, I need time with my team to build our culture and to set our standards in place and those kinds of things. So somebody said, well, so does that mean you think this is a rebuilding job? Which is a, kind, of a, it's kind of a gotcha question, um, especially because who asked it. But, um, you know, he was like, well, I mean, it's not a rebuild. He's like, no, in the sense that, like, we're, de- we're, we're committed right now to this team to winning every game. So like we're there's nothing about this. It's like well, let's just get through the year and well, you know maybe maybe next year's our year. He's like no, we're trying to win right now. Like so in that regard, no. He's like but like yeah, we have to build our program and build our foundation and build our culture and build our standards. And so part of that, Auburn could have gone undefeated last year if you change coaches. There will be some kind of rebuilding that has to happen. So I thought it was a really fair, honestly, like a fair answer from him on. Um, just kind of how he's approaching approaching the program and just needing time. He just needs time with the guys to develop the things they want to develop. Well, and you, you think about it, it, it's this isn't the NFL. You, you can't you can't throw the last couple of games in order to secure the first round draft choice, right? I mean, it's just it just doesn't work that way. It's not a you're not getting yourself a lottery pick, I, and I I think quite frankly, it's kind of a slap in the face when you ask a coach, is it a rebuilding season? I mean, they're, they're going to be dedicated to what's to what moment they're in in that particular season or whatever particular game or even week. But it's like you said a second ago, they could have gone 12-0 and 0 last year, won the college football playoff, changed head coaches, and they still need to reestablish a culture because no, no head coach – no head coach is going to sacrifice their philosophy and their program to just jump in and plug and play and reuse whatever the former coach's, you know, philosophy was. They, they, their egos do not permit that. 
And they're in that position for a reason because they are type A and they want it how they want it. So I, I don't saying that it's rebuilding or whatever. I think it's more of a reestablishment yeah. or an establishment of the way Brian Harson wants things done. And he, he means it. I think he's sincere about the fact that he wants to spend time with the kids. He wants to learn about them and vice versa. That's, that's what you want a head coach to do. That's what you want a coach to do. And I think it speaks volumes to the, to the parents of the recruits in that they've got a head coach or potentially a head coach that wants to learn more about them week in and week out, just have more time with them because they're, within that establishes trust between the two. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, I think that makes a, makes a lot of sense. Well, look, we'll see where Auburn goes from here. I think that, I think the, 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 the thing that Parson has talked about now multiple times after games that has to start um, playing itself out. And that is new mistakes. He said that after games twice saying, Hey, at some point we have to stop making the old mistakes and make new mistakes, um, which is a, a good. I think it makes sense when you when you say yeah. it. And they, I think they're making a lot of the same mistakes, especially when it comes to busted coverages. Uh, you know, Nehemiah Pritchett gets beat twice, but Darius Knighton got beat. Um, really, it's probably the only three that I can think of off the top of my head. But they were busted coverages, and then there was there was a couple other plays Georgia had in the passing game. But really, some um, some some those three were were big plays, but uh, he just wants to see new yeah. things. And I don't know when that'll kick in. Um, I, I really don't. You know, people talk about, I don't think Smoke Monday, that hurt Auburn, but Smoke's not great in pass coverage. He would have had nothing. I don't think Smoke being in there would have helped at all. With, no. Pritchett, with Pritchett getting beat and, and, and Knighton. I mean, Knighton, I watched that play. He's got the guy. He, they just ran across, and, and, and he gets lost in the wash again. It's like – you know, I'm surprised they're not teaching those guys to go over the top. I don't know why they're trying to go underneath and then you and then you're chasing. But anyway, um, anyway, new mistakes. That's the thing. They've got to start making new mistakes, and we'll see. That's a quick turnaround, man. They got travel to 11 a.m. in in Arkansas, um, so they got some things to figure out um, before this Arkansas game. And it's a big. If they somehow could turn around and get a W there before a bye week, massive, massive, massive. I think it's going to be. They can't. I want. I hope. I think after Penn State, I think they dwelled on that too much. I I think because it was before Georgia State. I think they dwelled on that Penn State game a day too long. About man, we you know we just a couple more plays and that this game's gone. They they better yeah, they better be gone with it and be full on Arkansas and not go. Man, if we'd have made a few more plays, we could have been in there with number one Georgia. For that better not be their thought process because Arkansas is absolutely capable of of being physical, running the ball on them. Uh, they play a, a, an interesting defense that at times can can cause a quarterback problems, especially a quarterback that could you know that can be erratic. Arkansas, if they're not careful, they could go lose that game by 17 points. They really need to be focused. Well, this is is the same level of stress is on this particular game against Arkansas as there was against LSU. This is and it really this is a must win game for both of them. You know, this is a this is a must win game for both teams and you know, puts whomever is the victor, puts him in a much better position come for the remainder of the season. All right, man. Well, appreciate you joining us, man. It was a, it was a tough one. Auburn's four and two. They drop out of the polls because that's what you do when you lose to number one, you drop seven spots. Not that rankings mean anything, but um, it just shows how stupid they are this year. 
Um, all right, Auburn goes to Arkansas, another tough game. Uh, by week, and they're going to have another tough game against Ole Miss. And so, and then you see A&M, what they're capable of. So, doesn't get any easier uh, for the Auburn Tigers. We'll see what they got. Ben, thanks, man. Appreciate you breaking it, breaking down the Georgia game. Um, we'll see what Auburn can learn from it. Appreciate everybody listening. Go to AuburnLive.com. Subscribe if you aren't. If you're just listening to the podcast, please go subscribe. Man, we have a lot, a lot of good information and coverage of Auburn basketball, football, recruiting, big recruiting weekend. They already got a, a commitment from Drew Bobo, the son of Mike Bobo. So, uh, go to auburnlive.com and, and, and listen to that and check that out subscribe ten dollars for a year that's killer appreciate everybody joining us and uh we'll see you next time bye madness is here say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.